0: Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by money. Or rather, it's not brought to you by money. There is no money. Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by not money. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a new podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa Sway. From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer 2 horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and sugar mama, my wife Anna. Anna, welcome back.
1: I think I'm more of a Splenda Mama. While a sugar mama might buy you a BMW, I can buy you groceries for a week, but no treats.
0: Oh, are you sure? Yes. Well, oh. Anna is a PhD candidate studying medical sociology, a field where researchers ask, does anyone actually know what it is we do?
1: The consensus is still divided.
0: So I have to forewarn you, every one of today's grad student confessions have some yelling in them. Really? Yeah, it turns out people feel quite strongly about having um, their basic needs met. Yeah, and get this, money is pretty strongly correlated with things like food security, stable housing, feelings of safety, and mental and physical health. Who knew?
1: I surely didn't.
0: That's <laughs> because we don't have money. But jokes aside, I can count on more than one hand, in general, but I can count on more than one hand the number of times I had less than $50 in my bank account. To make it to the next week.
1: I'm pretty sure that in the first year of us dating I had a solid three dollars in my checking account.
0: Nice well you know I definitely didn't marry you for your money so that's like a good thing right?
1: Yeah I think we made that bit pretty clear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing I do find though is when you're broke your threshold for what you consider a meal changes drastically. Like on payday I'm like Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen I'm like Buying all the fresh produce and the ethically sourced meats and making a feast. And then just before payday, it's like, how can I turn ketchup into a meal? It's desperate sometimes.
1: But ketchup is the superior condiment. Isn't it the one kind of food that has all the five elements of taste? Like it's sweet, it's yeah, savory, yeah, it's yeah. umami, it's a little bit Well, umami,
0: yeah, but like salty and, and bitter, I guess. Yeah. It's great. It's great.
1: It's a balanced snack.
0: It's entirely what you need to constitute your diet. I clearly did not pay enough attention in my, like, kin class for nutrition.
1: Don't take dietary advice from us.
0: Yeah, no, I literally ate, like, three McDonald's hamburgers yesterday before we went out for dinner because I wanted to have, like, a like a pre-dinner.
1: Yeah, where some people will pre-drink. My husband will pre-eat.
0: <laughs> but, like, that way you're not spending as much money. Although we did still buy calamari. It was good, though delicious that's so good anyway our first story is both a confession and a precautionary tale fair warning this one does contain some dental stuff in it so if you've got like dauntophobia or not the most comfortable with like dental stuff you can skip ahead on this one
1: well i am going head out
0: <laughs> see you in a bit our student writes before going further please go and brush your teeth because this story is the result of me not practicing proper dental hygiene throughout my entire childhood and teenage years, plus horrible grad school wages. Before coming to Canada, no one told me that dental procedures are an arm and a leg expensive. They were expensive back home as well, but a root canal wasn't worth 2 months' stipend of a grad student. Anyway, I left without fixing the problems with my teeth before I found out about this, And unfortunately, only a year had passed before one of my teeth began to ache. I was so afraid to go to the dentist, knowing that I couldn't have afforded it, so it just brushed more and hoped for the best. Eventually, the pain became so horrible, I decided to go and visit the dentist, ready to spend all my savings. I went and had it filled, only it didn't work because I was too late. The tooth died, and so did I. The root died on Friday night, and as you can probably relate, if you've ever had a tooth die before, I couldn't sleep that entire weekend. Nothing left to do, I agreed to go for a root canal. I called the endodontist, and their earliest appointment was two weeks from then. With a tons of antibiotics and painkillers, I made it and the root was done, and now I am fine, but still having nightmares about toothache. The moral of the story here is pay grad students livable wages, please and universal dental care, please, or take care of your teeth. But I want to mention, I am so, so lucky to have the most supportive and understanding supervisor. I told him all about the financial difficulties I had had, and he agreed to help me out so that I didn't have to work an extra job for the money.
1: Okay, I'm back. What are we talking about? (laughs)
0: Okay, we're talking about teeth. Oh, God. Yeah, I vibe so hard with this person when they say, my tooth hurts. I should just brush it harder. Like, that's 100% been my philosophy to, like, all my dental issues.
1: That doesn't sound healthy.
0: It's not, actually. I'm probably going to have to get gum grafts at some point.
1: How much is that going to cost us? Um, I prefer not to
0: think about it. I prefer to think about it more as, like, how much will it bother me until I actually do something about it?
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, This story from what I heard through the door sounds terrifying. (laughs) And it makes me incredibly sad that uh, graduate students have to forego important medical procedures because they simply cannot afford them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, dental care needs to be universal health care. You need teeth to do like most of life things. Literally
0: living. Like, yeah, I, I eat a lot and I talk a lot, as you probably know. And I like if I didn't have teeth. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be as handsome, <laughs> but also I it would just be so hard to do everything. And the fact that we don't cover that for for students necessarily,
1: right? And we consider most of dental procedures almost like cosmetic, mm-hmm. as if you can you know choose to get cavities or not get cavities, or it's completely up to you
0: yeah teeth, teeth
1: <laughs> correspond to quality of life so much
0: yeah absolutely the more teeth you have the more quality of life right
1: wow great whites must be just cruising through life
0: <laughs> um but definitely i don't even think this extent or this stops at just dental i think i think this extends to other medical procedures as well like i i mean you know this but for our audience who don't i uh have kind of a snoring issue and i went to go see the the surgeon that takes a picture of your throat. And it turns out my tonsils are just really big, just got big tonsils. And so I kind of need a surgery if we want to be able to like sleep in the same bedroom.
1: But the surgery is not covered under OHIP. So it's $3,000 Canadian out of pocket Mm -hmm. for something that would save us so much money in the long run, because the smallest apartment we can occupy is a two bedroom apartment. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And I mean, that's just one thing, right? With me and this cosmetic thing, it doesn't impact my quality of life so drastically that we can't do something about it.
1: It impacts my quality of life very drastically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah.
1: (laughs) What about students that have to take a leave of absence very Mm, often for the same medical issues? I know for our university, um, if you take a leave of absence, you don't necessarily lose your student benefits, but you actually have to go through the extra step of opting into the benefits package. Which, which costs s- money. Which costs money and usually is a part of your tuition. Um, and so that is something to consider, making sure that you don't lose your benefits if you have to step away from your studies.
0: But there's also this, like, it's a lot of people can't work jobs outside of their... Degree or you know their PhD program. And so, you know, if something like this does come, where are you supposed to accrue a savings or a buffer to actually exactly. pay for some of this stuff?
1: And I mean, this person has had an incredibly supportive supervisor. Actually, I don't want to say incredibly, their supervisor is a good supervisor. I think this is the way any supervisor should respond to one of their students saying, I'm having a medical emergency.
0: (laughs) My mouth is on fire. My mouth
1: is on fire. (laughs) But we don't talk about it. My supervisor has never asked me, hey, how are your teeth? (laughs) How are your teeth doing?
0: How's your mouth today? Oh, that sounds weird. Mm. (laughs) Maybe we'll cut this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But we're really glad to hear that the student is doing better. And for everyone listening, brush hard, but not too hard, because that's apparently also issues yeah
0: yeah brushing too hard not brushing hard enough I think we all have something to learn That's what I'm saying
1: you learn something new every day
0: <laughs> anyway enough of the teeth stuff moving on to our next confession which is truthfully a bit more of a rant this grad student is not happy about their funding situation they write one word funding I can't for the life of me believe I'm in a faculty that takes away guaranteed funding from the university if you win an external scholarship. I'm a grad student who has to shoulder three jobs to make ends meet, and you want to take away my guaranteed funding so you can save yourself some money? And then you also wonder why you're losing prospective graduate students to other institutions, and have the audacity not to work towards making a more equitable funding model by using the line, we were all graduate students at one point. Yeah, you were in graduate school in the 80s, Earning what I make now, we are not the same. Yeah, three jobs. That's a lot.
1: A PhD is already like 1.5 full-time jobs.
0: Yeah, and with, you know, 0.5 jobs to pay. Yeah,
1: we don't get paid a lot.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the, the theme here. It's just, we don't really get paid all that much. And like, I oftentimes, people often cite the benefit of, oh, well, you kind of get paid to do it, right? Like, you get paid a stipend from the university and you can get TA ships and yeah, but you're you're living below the poverty line no matter how you slice it. Like your payment doesn't include tuition, which you still have to pay regardless of whether you take courses or not.
1: Which is incredibly surprising because I remember in my entire PhD I took three courses and one of those was like, you don't have to take it, but maybe you should, kind of <laughs> deals. Like it wasn't even mandatory. And yeah. so especially during COVID I'm not quite sure what I'm paying for because I'm not using the gym or the library or any of the facilities, but I'm still paying the tuition. Mm -hmm. Um, Our university actually had the audacity to say that our tuitions had to stay because landscaping had to be done on campus. Mm. And I got to tell you, our university's uh, campus is manicured and beautiful, but... The geese
0: loved it. I know.
1: (laughs) the geese took full advantage of this campus but i want to go on like a little bit of a related rant is that it's incredibly prevalent for universities to take away bits of your guaranteed funding and i must reiterate this guaranteed funding (laughs) when you secure an external award so for most external awards unless you're getting a huge national grant Mm -hmm. um if you're getting that award and your guaranteed funding gets cut down you're now making maybe three or five thousand dollars more than you would have without getting the external award, mm-hmm. and I get it. It goes on your CV. It's great, and you want it. And an extra three grand—who—who who would say no to that? But you're not adequately congratulating these students mm-hmm. on being exceptional and getting external funding. Mm-hmm. You're punishing them inherently. Yeah.
0: yeah, the incentive is not there. It's like. Working towards a promotion like having your boss be like you really should work hard towards this promotion It'll be really good and it'll look good on your you know resume and we'll give you a little pay bump And you're like, oh, okay, sweet. How much is the pay bump? And they're like, oh, well, it's you know X amount and then you get the promotion and you're like congratulations. You got the promotion We're gonna give you X amount But also we're gonna take away some of the money we were already giving you and you're like that's that's not really how that's supposed to work Right. It's kind of dirty.
1: Right and also if you want to teach in our institution, your TA ship gets taken away from you. You're no longer guaranteed a TA ship. Mm-hmm. To tie this to our previous story, um, if you're a TA, you become part of a union. So you get an extra bump in your benefits from that. So if you're not TAing, your benefits, things like dental or optometry are so much lower. So mm-hmm. if you're TAing, there's an added benefit to that, that now you're you don't. You're losing out on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like it's the opposite of the rich get richer. Like you you make more money slightly, but then you lose out on other things like benefits.
1: And in the end, if you have to spend those extra, you know, 500, 600, 700, however much money on dental, then. Money. Uh,
0: 600 money. <laughs> so 600 much money. money.
1: I don't know. We have we have listeners from all over the world. They don't know what a Canadian dollar is worth.
0: I don't at, think I know what a Canadian dollar is worth. At least is.
1: five geese. <laughs> That's the exchange rate
0: currently. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, too, this mentality in academia of, oh, it was hard for me, so it should be hard for you. It just, like, contributes to this very toxic and competitive environment. Like, we were talking yesterday with a a friend who's an early career researcher, and he was saying how when he applied, he had, you know, X number of publications. And then, you know, five years passed, and we're looking in the job market right now, and Mm -hmm. we need to have, like, that many times, two to like be competitive for jobs, and it's-
1: Where does it end?
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, our final confession comes from a senior grad student venting their frustrations with the importance of money for universities and how the business venture side of things seems to undermine the impact of research and the well-being of grad students. They write, For some background, I'm doing my PhD at a large university. When I started, I thought I was truly going to help people who needed it. In actuality, everything in these places is situated around money. Do this research to get funding, publish X amount of papers to get a better chance of getting financing. Colleagues tell me I should focus on knowledge translation to make my papers more digestible for the public. Yeah, I'll do that right after I deal with reviewer two on the papers I'm trying to publish, and after I mark all these papers, and after I deal with cleaning this data, and after I finish providing edits on this grant proposal, etc. Graduate students get paid so little money that entire episodes of The Simpsons make fun of it. My university raised tuition during the pandemic while we couldn't use the facilities. They increased the number of accepted students during the pandemic because everything was online and then cut TA positions for this year. I realize that this quote unquote is growing up and learning things aren't always as they seem. But to me, I'm currently at a point where the only difference I can tell between a pharmaceutical company pushing pills and a university pushing papers is that pharmaceutical companies pay their employees a livable wage.
1: Damn.
0: Dang, Daniel. I quote that line from The Simpsons a lot, actually. The, I'm a grad student, I made $500 Yeah, when Bart
1: has, like, the, the, the fake <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Art imitates life. <laughs> It's a funny episode, though. But I think it's totally true. Like, academia is built on the blood and backs of grad students.
1: I wouldn't go so far to say blood, but yeah. Sometimes,
0: literally, man. Sometimes I'm in lab and I'll just, like, trip and fall and my blood is in the lab. I spill blood for my research.
1: (laughs) But we do do the bulk of the research that Mm -hmm. RPIs put out. And we for sure do the bulk of the recruitment and ethics and writing the manuscripts.
0: Mm -hmm. And I I don't think this is to say that our supervisors necessarily take advantage of us in the sense that, well, they get paid so much and they don't do enough work. Like, I think researchers at universities, um, especially profs, do a tremendous amount of work. And I think they're underpaid as well. I think more generally, it's just this idea of invisible labor that we're expected to do, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's like hard to track your hours when you're always working you know?
1: It is. And we expect our academics to do the accounting for their own labs, to recruit new students, to engage with university politics, mm-hmm. to apply for grants.
0: Yeah. And like, that's the thing is will you get paid specifically just to do your PhD or your master's or whatever it is, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you just, you just get paid to do that one project or series of projects, but everything else on the side, like, I don't know about you. I wasn't fortunate enough that I could find side projects to do that I would also get paid for. It was kind of like you get authorship and that's why you do it.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you have a tough time finding projects like to even collaborate with people on because depending on your field or you know, if you're not lucky enough to be in a lab that's incredibly developed, you know, who are you going to collaborate with?
0: Mhm. Yeah, exactly. I think too this person raises another point about how universities are situated around money. Like, I think we often forget as noble a pursuit of, as knowledge is, you know, and research is universities are fundamentally businesses. Right? They are.
1: Research is a business. I think grants are a perfect example of
0: this. How so?
1: Well, well, Grants are almost... I saw a thread on Twitter yesterday. Mm -hmm. Somebody was saying, we should have Shark Tank, but for grants... (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) Hi, sharks. (laughs) Today, I want to pitch a project. Um, No, but that's literally grant writing. It's how do I sell my research in two pages to an interdisciplinary group of people. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we let everyone do their research. And Mm -hmm. we're like, yeah, here's money. You're pursuing knowledge. That's good for you. We're like, hey, what do we deem the most, like, essential, quote-unquote, research yeah, to do right now? Yeah. And we fund those projects. And so, yeah, research is a business. Research is also highly political.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's trends that happen in research, too. Like, I'm not saying that certain topics are more or less important, but certainly from a funding agency's perspective, there's certain things you want to prioritize. And, you know, you have researchers who often will chase those trends. My supervisor in my PhD was very much, well, you know, you do good work and you make a niche for yourself and you carve out that specific set of skills so that people will come to you because you're the expert. And while I definitely don't disagree with that, we're not rewarded for going out there and being the sole expert in something or a one specific field. We're rewarded for, in a way, chasing trends, chasing where the money is.
1: Yeah. And research rarely rewards innovation. You think? Yeah. I mean, we hear the word innovation all the time, but the research that gets funded is always, okay, I don't want to say always, but there are trends in the sense that it's half a step above what's been done. And so progress in research does move forward, but it moves forward at a snail's pace. It's
0: kind of like, I saw a meme for this. It's like, oh yeah, my research addresses this very uh, needed gap in the research and the gap is like how close these two cars are together and they're basically like touching.
1: Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I think at the end of the day, it's just recognizing that universities are businesses and we are employees of that university and their bottom line comes first. And if that's not your research, if that's not what you're doing, you're probably not gonna be able to stick around.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why the humanities are getting gutted. They're not a very profitable faculty. But we need my... to
0: appeal to our humanity here, right? They're trying. <laughs> Wherefore art thou grant funding? <laughs> uh, anyway, moral of the story here is pay grad students more.
1: Yeah, there's no tips or tricks or jokes here.
0: Yeah, just gotta pay us more, man. Give us some money. Let us live. Anyway, you've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoa Sway. Special thanks again to my co-host, Anna. Anna, thank you again for joining me. If you're still thinking about dinner, I can probably whip up some ketchup.
1: A snack for all the ages.
0: (laughs) Any time of day, really. Mm. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. If you'd also like to review us on Apple Podcasts, it helps our reach immensely and it's a great way of letting us know you like what you hear. If you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.